Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, February 21st, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, Ryan. And uh, it's Monday, so you know what that means. It's time to talk about the box office. I'm not really a huge box office guy, but obviously this is this is definitely uh, territory that you're super familiar with. So why don't you just sort of run through uh, what happened at this the box office this past weekend? Uh, yeah, I think I think I very quickly developed a reputation at the Slash Film offices as our box office dude. Um, okay, so Uncharted opened this weekend. The Tom Holland video game adaptation of the Sony franchise of the same name. It's a movie that had been in development for well over a decade. Um, and it, it kind of overperformed. Uh, it made $44 million through Sunday, which would be your typical weekend, but this is President's Day. So we kind of get that extra day. So through that four-day weekend stretch from Friday to Monday, it's expected to make $51 million domestic, which is, again, much better than anyone expected. It's also collected 88 internationally, so it's sitting at 139 worldwide already. Um, you know, it's got a $120 million budget, which is a little prohibitive, but pretty good start. Uh, cements Tom Holland as a more than just Spider-Man. He, you know, he can open another movie, and uh, 
The most encouraging news of the weekend was that Dog, the other big new release this weekend, uh, which was uh, served as Channing Tatum's directorial debut, also was able to make $15 million and $18 million over the four-day stretch, which recouped its relatively modest $15 million budget. Um, and that's something we haven't seen in a long time, where two movies have been able to be released on the same weekend, and they can both sort of find an audience. So that was really, really encouraging. So, Ryan, I mean, I think you had mentioned that you were going to, in, in your article, that you were going to eat crow a little bit because you thought that Uncharted wasn't going to perform super well. And I also <laughs> yes. had, I had that same thought. I mean, I, I kind of, I love the Uncharted video games. I'm not sure how familiar you are with those. I don't, have you played those games before? Unfortunately, I'm an Xbox man, so I've never had the opportunity to to dig into the Uncharted's as much as I would like to. But uh, oh man, yeah, they're so much fun! It's like I think I think it's my favorite video game series of all time. It's just like exactly what I want from you know that type of action adventure game. So I'm like. I should be, you know, super, I'm like the target audience for these things. And all of the trailers for Uncharted just looked really bland and and kind of, uh, I don't know, just really disappointing to me. So I was also expecting this movie did not perform super well. But uh, it seems like it, it surprised us all. And I, I want to uh, sort of hone in on that, qu- the, the statement that you made earlier about like this sort of underlines the fact that Tom Holland, uh, you know, can open a movie when he's not wearing the Spider-Man suit. And I think totally. that's been a... a you know, maybe like the one of the big talking points in the past, uh, I don't know, let's call it 10, 15 years um, about like ever since the rise of the of the superhero movie um, in really the dominance of the superhero movie. Let's let's narrow it down even further. You know, people like Chris Hemsworth, sure. like is Chris Hemsworth technically a movie star? Can he really like open a movie where he's not playing Thor? I feel like that conversation happened a lot. Um, so my question to you is like, Yes, this is another big movie that Tom Holland is leading, but is it the name recognition of the brand, of the IP, of the Uncharted name that really drew people in? Or do you think Tom Holland, do you think this is like uh, really, really, truly, genuinely proof that Tom Holland is like a bona fide movie star? Because he's also been in movies like cherry and like you know things that that necessarily uh, or that, that didn't necessarily leave that big of a cultural impact. Uh, I think two things can be true at the same time. I think uh, part of it is, yes, it is IP, which gets people in seats, but IP does not always get people in seats. Um, I think what you're seeing is like a lot of people like you, Ben, are sort of unexcited by this version of Uncharted, uh, you know, that just feels like, you know, a prequel to the series of games that we actually all enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it. So I think what you're seeing is that Holland is getting general moviegoers in seats, you know, because that's the hope of the video game movie, right? Like you're getting an IP, but what you're really getting is you're able to access non-gamers, you know, with something that. So, so I think the idea. So my suspicion is that Holland is getting people on. Now, certainly having Mark Wahlberg in there very much helps. You know, the other thing I think too is Ruben Fleischer is sort of asserting himself as this director that directs movies that critics do not seem to like, but audiences very much like, uh, setting zombie land aside because that kind of hit both camps. But, um, you know, say what you will, but Fleischer seems to kind of know how to direct a movie that, that your general audiences will go see. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, the one thing I will say, I did, I did have to eat crow because I actually said boldly on this podcast with Peter that this movie was going to bomb and I thought it was going to be the biggest bomb of the year. Uh, so, so I am way wrong. And, and also if this really works out, 
Sony gets what they really wanted, which was we started Uncharted with a young actor. And now if this works and we get sequels, we can do this for a long time. And so I think that was kind of the hope there. And, and they might look smart here and here and here in a couple of years. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that's one of those things that like, you know, hardcore fans of the game sort of push back a little bit when they heard that Tom Holland had been cast as a young Nathan Drake, because as you mentioned, this movie had been sort of winding its way through development for so long that like uh, Mark Wahlberg was actually in talks to play yep. an older version of Nathan Drake at one point. So um, that's just a fun little you know piece of trivia about this movie. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, casting the young Drake, but also like incorporating some set pieces that are like directly lifted from the games. It's kind of a prequel, kind of not kind of its own original story. It's like this weird sort of amalgam. And I think ultimately it boils down to what you were saying before. Like if you were a movie studio um, that was just specifically trying to target only the players of a, you know, of a popular video game franchise, uh, you're doing it wrong. So it seems like Sony uh, made some decisions that um, that I don't know if like hardcore Uncharted fans are going to love, but uh, it's definitely seems to have paid off for them in, in surprising ways here. So um, well, yeah, we'll I, have to see if this becomes like a full fledged, uh, uh, you know, franchise phenomenon kind of thing where like yeah. this is what Tom Holland is doing in the years beyond his time in the MCU or what. Well, I think just to button this up, I think the one thing is that what you can do in these situations. Okay, so critically speaking, there's some things that didn't work here. And okay, you've got a prequel to sort of the games that people love. Okay, so this movie makes enough money to justify a sequel. Well, then then you sort of get the opportunity to course correct. You know, where you can go, okay, now we get a slightly older Nathan Drake. Now we get Sully with a mustache. You know, now we get, you know, <laughs> and you know, you've already got people on board on some level. So you can sort of go, okay, what, what didn't we get to incorporate in the first movie? And what can we do to sort of, sort of plus that up in the second round? And so there, there's definitely a chance that, the, that this could circle around to being closer to what people were hoping for if it does indeed get a sequel. Yeah, definitely. All right. So our next uh, news item here to talk about is that a Bioshock movie is coming to Netflix. And Ryan, I've not played any of the, speaking of uh, video game movies, I've not played any of the Bioshock stuff. This is another property that um, has been sort of gestating for a long time. I think Gore Verbinski was in talks to direct a version yep. a long time ago. Um, but you are a little bit more familiar with the Bioshock universe. So uh, can you just like run through the, the basics of what we know here? Yeah, so uh and I and I'm familiar in that over COVID I finally got like the Bioshock remastered trilogy for my Switch and am finally finishing the first game and I can attest to anyone that's played it that it is a absolute masterpiece of the of the craft of of gaming. Um and it is a mix of like horror and fantasy and and sort of sci-fi and it's a very unique Thing. But so after years and years of languishing in various forms of development, uh, Del Toro, Verbinski, other people trying to get it made, Netflix is ponying up the dough. Uh, they have made a deal uh, with 2K and Take-Two Interactive to make Bioshock a movie and potentially a expanded universe of some sort, as per TA, uh, The Hollywood Reporter's reporting. Um, there's almost no information beyond that right now. No word on a director, no word on a script, no word on when it might get filming, no word on cast. It's more just to say this is happening. Netflix is going to exercise its very deep pockets to make this thing happen. Um, and that's kind of it. That's 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 what it is. But they're looking at something that that could, again, 
gaming as IP that could open up a universe, I think is what we're looking at. So uh, given that we don't really know much about who's involved or we don't really know anything about who's involved with this version, uh, do you think that it's possible that Gore Verbinski actually comes back around and like this is, you know, he becomes attached to this version? Because I think he hasn't made a movie since A Cure for Wellness in 2016. So I wonder if this is something that he had invested a lot of time in and he's actually going to be able to pursue. I don't I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think that's totally possible. Um, I also think you know, Del Toro's developing a pretty strong relationship with Netflix. Ooh. Uh, and he had expressed a lot of interest in this at one point. And I think Del Toro would really like, because I mean, the thing is with Netflix, right? The, the thing about Netflix doing this is that you're not relying on box office. And the problem with Bioshock is that you're dealing with like horror and sci-fi in like gigantic budget environments. So like, that's tough to make work. And I think if you have Netflix saying, cool, we'll give you the $150 million, just make us something that a lot of people will watch. Um, I think Del Toro would love, you know, having missed out on At the Mountains of Madness, having missed out on Hellboy 3, I think he'd like a crack at something where there's not a ton of pressure to deliver for box office. So that's my suspicion. But I think it could easily go back to any of the versions that have existed, or we just could get something else entirely. But um you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about that. I feel like Del Toro might be like a, a dream choice. I don't know how practical that is just because he has so many plates spinning at any given moment, but I would love to see that. And I think you're right. Like, the, uh, you know, sort of like uh, aesthetically speaking, he seems like a really, really cool fit for something like that. So um, yeah, but he's yeah. talked a lot about the, the, the spinning of various plates and like the reason he has so many plates spinning is because you never sort of know which thing's going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially looking at what happened with Nightmare Alley at the box office, I wouldn't be surprised if he just like came to the idea of like, cool, I'm going to go make a big, huge movie for a streaming service and just not worry about it. You know, like that, yeah. that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. I mean, he's got his, his, uh, long in the works Pinocchio movie that's set up at Netflix. Yep. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's going to have the, uh, the, the, um, I, yeah, like a benefit of not having to rely or, or worry as much about, uh, or at all about box office receipts for that one. So, um, maybe no, he'll, he'll, uh, you know, get in that, in that zone and be like, Hey, this is pretty nice. I'm just going to continue to do stuff like this. So, uh, as long as they continue to give him creative control and the money he needs to make the projects that he wants, I don't really care who is funding him. I just want to see more stuff from him. So, well, that's like what Soderbergh's doing at HBO max. Now he's making like two movies a year and just, you know, cool. I'm getting you some reasonably priced movies for your streaming service. And he doesn't have to worry about a damn thing. (laughs) Yeah. Just knocking them out. I love it. Um, okay. So, uh, our third, uh, news item to discuss here is Robert Downey Jr. And Shane Black are teaming up again for a new project. So these guys work together, uh, probably, I guess, most famously at this point on Iron Man three. Um, they had worked together before on kiss, kiss, bang, bang, which is a wonderful movie that I'm guessing most of the listeners of this podcast have probably seen by now. Um, But uh, yeah, according to uh, a report from uh, a newsletter called Puck's What I'm Hearing, Shane Black is going to be writing the script for a new Parker movie, and Robert Downey Jr. is going to be playing the lead character. Um, So Parker is, uh, is a fictional character created by... Donald E. Westlake. There have actually been several Parker movies in the past. I think maybe some some comics as well. Um, but uh, yeah, there are something like 30 novels in this series. And Parker is like this ruthless um, uh, 
professional thief, a career criminal. Uh, I'm going to read you something from the the Wikipedia page here, Ryan. It says that uh, Parker is callous, meticulous, and perfectly willing to commit murder if he deems it necessary. He does, however, live by one ethical principle. He will not double-cross another professional criminal with whom he is working unless they try to double-cross him. Should that happen, Parker will unhesitatingly undertake to exact a thorough and brutal revenge. So, uh, you know, I love a guy who lives by a code. Um, So that is definitely what's happening here. Uh, (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm excited to see this because this this is for Amazon studios, by the way. Um, I just, I feel like, uh, Shane Black has that really great. I mean, if you've seen movies like the nice guys and really a lot of Shane Black's movies, he, he has that sort of like, um, pulpy, uh, sort of gritty, uh, feel down really, really well. And then somebody like Robert Downey Jr. I think, I feel like is like the perfect vessel for, that kind for delivering that kind of uh, quippy dialogue that's like it just feels classic in a way it's not super modern even though when Shane Black did it in for Iron Man 3 it, it happened to work really well in that in the MCU context um, but there's just something about the combination of these two guys working together uh, with this source material in particular that I, I find really um, exciting so uh, we don't know like which of the Parker novels this is going to be based off of or anything like that. Um, but uh, what do you think about this, Ryan? Are you excited about the the idea of seeing Robert Downey Jr. and team back up with Shane Block again? Yeah, that to answer to that question, absolutely. Like, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is phenomenal. And um, Iron Man 3, I have very complicated feelings about. But, uh, but um, yeah, this seems like the right thing, and especially for, you know, because Downey hasn't really done his big thing since leaving the mcu other than you know the the uh um do a little movie that shall not be named but yeah like yeah. he this feels like a good i don't know i'm not super familiar with the parker stuff but and i don't mean to sound ageist or anything but is robert downey jr a little a little old maybe for this sort of thing or am i sort of or is he um, sort of like an older, grizzled kind of guy? Is that yeah, kind of the, the He's the kind idea? of been both, really. Like, Jason Statham played him, I think, most recently in 2013. I like, do remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, um, Lee Marvin played a version of him, you know, back in the 70s, I think. So, like, there, oh, there no is kidding. a... Uh, yeah, there, there's like a, a wide range of this, this sort of Parker character. And, like, Mel Gibson, if you saw the movie Payback from... 99 ish 98 99 something like that um i think brian helgeland directed that movie and maybe it was taken away from him there's a whole bunch of like behind the scenes turmoil with that movie but uh that was sort of like a uh, essentially a remake of the the lee marvin starring movie which is called point blank if people want to check that out it's like really oh i remember that movie movie very well weirdly Um, enough okay yeah. So, um, so yeah, I feel like that, you know, uh, people like Jason Statham, Mel Gibson and, uh, Lee Marvin, just to name the three that I know off the top of my head, all playing the same character. There, there's room for Downey to sort of squeeze in there and sort of put his own spin on this, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to see what happens with it. And, and, you know, there, there are several projects. Shane Black is not nearly to the level of, um, of like somebody like Del Toro, where there are projects announced that he's associated with that end up never happening because Del Toro, I mean, there's probably a whole Wikipedia page devoted to like the unrealized projects that he's made. But yep. uh, Shane Black has had his fair share as well. I mean, there was like a Doc Savage movie that he was going to be working on. There's been a lot of things over the past, uh, I guess, post Iron Man 3 um, that have sort of uh, come up with his name attached that have ended up not actually uh, coming to fruition for whatever reason. So I just hope that this is not one of those and that we actually do get to see this because with 28 books or whatever it is in the, in the um, 
the Parker franchise, I guess, or the the IP library. Uh, there's definitely a lot of room for them to tell more and more stories and kind of like what we were talking about with um, Tom Holland and Uncharted. Like I would love to see uh, if, if this Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. wanted to settle into the same sort of groove that like Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig are doing with the, uh, the Benoit Blanc uh, stuff over at Netflix, oh, yeah. I would love that. So um, yeah, as long as like those guys remain, um, you know, paramount to whatever they're doing, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally in. So this seems far more likely to me because you have Amazon, which again, the nice thing about Amazon's deep pockets is that they're mostly just trying to get you to sign up for Prime to buy toilet paper or whatever the hell else. Or uh, not Parker really... books. <laughs> right. And so like, so for them, so you have like very sure money and, and Amazon would love to have these guys on board. We know they love working together. Uh, I, I This seems extremely likely to me, like unless something weird happens, I, I would it's hard for me to imagine this falls apart. Yeah. Okay. So today Ryan is president's day, uh, which I mean, I, does anyone really care about president's day? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, but today is, is essentially a company holiday, a uh, company holiday for us at slash film. You and I are working a little bit. Um, you know, it's a, it's a relatively quiet news day here, uh, as yes. evidenced by the fact that we've only talked about three stories so far, but uh, I just figured we, <laughs> it would be fun for us to, uh, to maybe run through a, a sort of half hearted list of some of our favorite movie presidents. So it doesn't really have to be any, um, you know, uh, diehard like uh, structure or form to this. I just wanted to sort of open up the floor here. So uh, are there any movie presidents? And we don't even have to do this in like a, a full on, you know, 10 to one ranking or anything like that. But just right. uh, any presidents that that uh, have made a big impact on you as a viewer over the years. Uh, my ranking of 10 through one is the same name 10 times, and it is Thomas J. Whitmore from Independence Day, uh, <laughs> as 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 portrayed by the wonderful Bill Pullman. Uh, a genuine, I'm not even sort of kidding, like genuinely, uh, I love that performance. I, I, I can't fathom a better, like, version of a, of like an American president. Like, and just like, that is the guy you will follow into war against aliens. I think that is one of the best, like most like motivating speeches in a movie ever. Uh, It it still gives me goosebumps when I watch it to this day. Uh, I, 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 when I, when I think of like a president portrayed on film, that is all I can ever think of genuinely. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great one. I mean, I feel like that would be, if we were to put this in a, some sort of ranking, that would be like the, um, the undisputed number one. Um, no I question. think, uh, I think, you know, for me, like I remember in the early days of Facebook, I'm talking like 2005, 2006, uh, I remember sharing the the speech on Facebook and, you know, on your wall or whatever back in the day when the, the terminology was a little bit different. And, uh, and that being like, you know, not um, a super overdone thing at that point. And then like in the ensuing years, it just became like everyone, you know, it, it almost like uh, there was like overexposure of the speech. But I feel like now I've come all yes. the way back around to it where I'm like, you, there's no amount of overexposure that can take away from like how amazing this is, like just from a construction level and then uh, yeah. on a delivery level as well. So I, I mean, I know that he like, this is a, uh, a basic bitch choice, I guess, but it's like so, so good that it's like undeniable, you know? <laughs> but sometimes there is like the Coca-Cola of a thing, right? Where it's like, look, there, there is the, there is the King of the Hill and there is everything else. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a Pepsi as well, but Coke is still by far the king of that mountain. And there is no, and I think sometimes there's a reason for that. And I think that's one of those things where 
that performance in context of that movie sealed with that speech is pretty tough to argue against all right so i'm going to run through a few others here and uh you just like feel free to interrupt me if you have any um particular fondness for any of these performances or uh you know any anything to say about any of these really um have you happened to see uh, did you ever see the movie 1776 the musical uh with that stars william daniels as john adams william daniels being the guy who played mr feeney in boy meets world oh wow um no and usually if you use the word musical in reference to a movie, you lose me. Yeah. Um, it, nothing against musicals. It's just hard for me to to get into. So, no, I have not seen that, but I am suddenly interested. Yeah. William Daniels, man. He, I grew up watching Boy Meets World. So that was like a, a staple of my childhood. And uh, it was a lot of fun to see him step into a, a presidential role uh, in that movie. So um, Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln, I think, would, you know, we would be remiss oh, without mentioning that. So course. good. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, have you ever seen Young Mr. Lincoln? I feel like I saw this one a long time ago. Uh, Henry Fonda <laughs> no. played uh, Abraham Lincoln in that one. Okay, uh, so that's from like the probably the fifties or something. I don't have the year in front of me, but uh, Henry Fonda, great stuff as always. There, um, John Voight in Pearl Harbor. That's uh, I feel like an overlooked uh, presidential performance in a movie. You know, he did that yesterday. December 7th, 1941, like the the classic speech. I think he did a pretty good job there. Um, Michael Douglas and the American president. I've actually never seen the American president. I've actually seen the, I've never seen the next three movies that I'm going to mention here. So Michael Douglas. and the American president. I actually like, I didn't even think about that one. That's a good, I, I, I quite like the American president and that's, that's okay. Fair enough. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, Kevin Klein in Dave. Have you ever seen Dave? I have not. I've actually never, that's one of those blind spots for me. I've, I've, it's especially given, the unfortunate news of last week, I, I, I've added Dave to my watch list, but I yes, the, the uh, death of Ivan Reitman, who directed Dave, uh, just in case people weren't on the, the same page there. And then um, Jack Nicholson and Mars Attacks. Somehow Mars Attacks. Oh, my God. Slipped past yes. me. I've never seen that movie, but you've never seen Mars Attacks. I have not. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, that is upsetting. You need to like Mars Attacks is maybe my favorite Tim Burton movie, period. Like it is it is. And it is it, it, it. Time has been very kind to that movie. Uh, man, oh man, that is that. Well, plus like Jack Nicholson plays, I think, three roles in that movie, uh, which is really bizarre. And yeah, no, but he's he's a very fun president in that universe. Oh, man, man. That's a good movie. I need to add that one to my list then for sure. Uh, so you've got uh, Terry Crews and Idiocracy talking about things that have aged particularly well. <laughs> that movie, I feel like, you know, predicted a lot of yeah. things in our society, probably sure. for the worse, unfortunately. Um, Morgan Freeman and Deep Impact. I think eventually Morgan Freeman went on to play the president in the uh, the what would you call that? The, the, the is, fall is franchise. falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he was the uh, vice president in the first one, and Aaron Eckhart was the president. But uh, I think maybe by yes, the yes. third or fourth movie, um, Morgan Freeman finally became the president there. Um, let's see, let's see. Uh, oh, of course, Harrison Ford and Air Force One. People who are listening to this are probably like screaming at their devices right now because that's like a, a oh, really big one yep. from the nineties. But that one probably should have come up sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get um, off my plane, sure. Oh yeah, classic stuff. And then uh, I guess finally, the one that I wanted to mention here is like a series. Of 
of presidents from the movie America, the motion picture, which was this animated movie that came <laughs> out on Netflix last year. Um, that is a uh, really goofy, really, um, frankly, stupid, but in like the best possible way. Um, Channing Tatum does the voice of George Washington and Jason Manzukis plays Sam Adams. And it's, I mean, it's, it's a really, really absurd uh, over the top, just like gloriously violent and, and gleefully ridiculous movie. But um, I feel like there wasn't much of a conversation around that film, but um, you know, maybe uh, president's day, if you happen to be listening to this and you have the day off work or something, I know it's, it came out around 4th of July last year and it sort of, uh, feels like more of a Fourth of July movie than a President's Day movie, but um, you know, if you're looking for something goofy, uh, give America the Motion Picture a shout. So, sure, uh, yeah, all right. You know, go ahead. If we're speaking of voice actors, real quick, one that sort of occurred to me as you were saying that was a uh, not that it's not not a movie that gets talked about a lot anymore, but Monsters vs. Aliens, which is a movie I quite liked. Uh, Stephen Colbert plays the president in that movie, and I felt like that was a fun like a very fun representation of like, you know, a sort of not super serious take on, on, on the office of the president. Uh, was that a DreamWorks animation movie? It was the one with like, uh, 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 Reese Witherspoon voices, the main character. And then there's like the, she bands up with like the monsters and aliens to go kind of, you know? Yeah, fight. man. I never yeah. saw that one. Was it, So, uh, aside from the presidential performance, did you enjoy the movie as a whole? Is that worth sticking No, no, out? I actually really liked that movie a lot. And, and I feel like it sort of just kind of came and went. Um, it made its money. It did its thing. But, uh, no, I, 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 I quite enjoyed that movie. Uh, it's, it's very funny and, uh, and it's, and it's, you know, well-structured, good animated uh, popcorn entertainment for my money. Okay, good stuff. All right, so a couple of recommendations there if you're looking for something to watch. Uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. So you can find more about all of the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. There's always a ton of stuff there at SlashFilm.com. I encourage everyone to go there and read all the stuff that we're writing all the time. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.